you didn't know, my name is Sean. I'm one of the associate pastors here. Um, and I'm very excited about this series because as a part of my duties is I am the pastor over prayer here. Um, that doesn't mean I'm an excellent prayer or anything. It just means I was kind of been given that duty. And, man, I just I, I find it um, one of the greatest gifts that we have um, according to, I mean, based on the covenant that we have. You know, like our exceedingly great reward is God himself. Hear that, because it's, it's way more valuable than a mansion, uh, 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 a phantom, uh, 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 a great set of boots, or a great purse, or, you know, a 85-inch 4,000K TV, or, you know, like, it, it is much better than that, our relationship, the fact that God of the universe, the creator of all things, I mean, anything that you, that you love and you desire, God created it. I mean, like, if you love lavender, God is the one that designed what lavender would look like. Your, your favorite steak, if you like steak, which my stomach is an example that, that I really do. Um, if you like steak, it was God who designed the cow as well as my taste buds and put them together so that I could enjoy his creation. So I can allow things to roll up to him, but even far greater than any material blessing. As much as I love my children and I love my wife, God has made himself available to us. And so we want to really kind of explore kind of this relationship that we have with God through prayer. And what makes, what are some of the elements that make up effective prayer? You know, often we look for kind of models and we can just copy the model. And that's not the goal of this series. The, the goal of this series is to help us to recognize that, that man, when we kind of come together and intercede on behalf of one person, that the impact will, kind of the domino effect will have an impact on the world. And so today we're going to look at Acts chapter 12, um, verse, ver we're going to look specifically at verse 5, but I'm going to read 1 through 5, and, and it's about Peter and, and him being um, freed from prison. Um, and so we can see at the individual level how prayer can hit impact there. But throughout the series, we're going to think about kind of from, from a family perspective and, and, and how that, that building block of society, how that changes the world, how, how God may have impact in a nation or political systems um, and globally. We, we want to look at these various areas of how prayer can actually change the world so that what we are facing today doesn't have to be like that tomorrow if we will bend our knee and spend time with our Heavenly Father. And, and I love what, what Garrison said, that in these targeted, um, specific prayers that we pray, if we find his will and we're able to pray according to that will, then we'll have what we ask for. So if you don't mind, please turn to um, Acts chapter 12, um, and we're going to start at verse 1, um, but we're going to camp out at verse 5. Um, verse 1 reads, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. Verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Father, um, I need your help to be able to communicate well. 
Um, more importantly, we all need to hear something from you so that we can be changed. And um, we do not want to walk out here the same way that we came in. Please give us something. Um, so I pray that you will use me as a tool to communicate your message. Um, and I pray that you will have, help us to hear well and to receive. Have hearts that can receive a seed um, that can produce fruit later in life. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me read um, verse 5 again. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. You know, when we, we think about individual prayer, when we think about praying for a loved one or someone that we know, um, it becomes like really a, a personal thing. There's, there is a personal energy that is given to it. You know, like when, when I'm sure we've all spent some time praying um, specifically concerning, you know, um, COVID and, and the pandemic and and there are ways that we can pray for the nation and we can pray that God will heal. If we've, we heard some, some horrible stories of something that's going on in South Africa and the, and the, the ramifications of, of COVID there or somewhere in Europe or maybe in another state. We can pray prayers that are, um, cover a wide basis, um, but we're not always vested in it emotionally because we're not connected to a face. And so, like, when we talk about or give, when we approach the idea of praying for an individual, that means usually a face will will come to mind and it becomes something where your own kind of, there's a vested interest in the outcome, whether it is positive or negative. And and, and because something is vested in it, um, you, 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 you tend to really put weight in the time that you spend with God because you want the outcome to work out the way that you want it. What happens, though, when what you want doesn't align with what God wants? See, we're faced with that here in this particular passage. And one of the reasons why I wanted to open it up beyond just verse 5, but starting at verse 1, because what we find very early on is that Herod the king And this is Herod Agrippa. This is the grandson of Herod the Great. The Herod the Great was the one that wanted to have Jesus killed after he had learned of his birth. And so he had all of the two years and and younger boys um, in the area to be slaughtered. This was his grandson. And he's kind of carrying on this tradition that seems to be within this family of really kind of coming against the will, thinking that they, they may be able to stand up. To God, and, and if you read the rest of the chapter, you, you recognize once again, God is undefeated. And Herod Agrippa had to suffer the consequences of his desire to fight and kick against what God um, had planned. And, but this, this King Agrippa, he, 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 or Herod Agrippa, he, he, we, we find that one of the things that he did to try to incur favor from those that he was ruling um, was he took in he attacked really the leadership of the church. This, this kind of the, as a as a as a young entity, this 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 babe essentially. He he doesn't martyr someone like Stephen, who was the first martyr of the church. Here we find that James, the son of Zebedee, John's brother, was martyred. We don't give Paul. Um, excuse me. Luke doesn't give us a lot of detail as to to what happened, but you can just imagine the ramifications that it must have had in this community of believers. 
That one of their leaders, one of the apostles, one of those who actually saw Jesus himself, spent time with him three years. He was one that was with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration. He had a close, intimate relationship with Jesus. You, 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 would, you would think that, man, this leader has so much to offer to this young group of believers, this, this movement that they, they didn't have a New Testament written. Paul was, was just getting saved. It wasn't as even as if Paul had laid out a lot of the doctrine that we, we have built this, this church upon. We find that one of the apostles, one of the, the, the inner circle leaders was martyred. In fact, it says that he was killed with the sword, which means he was beheaded. Which would also indicate that Herod didn't just have him killed. Like there was a confrontation. Um, he didn't like something that, that James had to say, and, and so he has him murdered. It seems to be that it was more of, a, of a, 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 an event that took place that would let everyone know. In fact, he, he did it in, in such a fashion that other Jews who were opposed to this Christian movement were excited because of what Herod had done. And so he, 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 was, he was emboldened by that, and he, and he takes Peter and has Peter put in jail because of it. And so we see in verse 5 that, so as Peter is being kept in prison, that the church begins to pray. But it goes back to the question that I have, what do you do? When God's direction and your direction don't seem to be in the same direction. How do you face that? If we want to pray prayers that are effective, if, if we, we really are genuinely want to see the world change, there's something that we have to be confronted with, and it's the sovereignty of God. See, here, this church and their desire, this this. This man that they, 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 they no doubtly spent time in, in homes and, and heard him teach, um, that, that, that got, they were able to get direction on how to move and, and, and how to, to do life as a Christ follower. They certainly have had to have some disappointment that God didn't answer the prayer that they had for him. Because just as the other Jews who would have found out about James being captured by King Herod, his brothers in the faith would have heard the same thing. His sisters in the faith would have heard the same thing. And they would have come together, not just for Peter, but they would have prayed for James as well. And God didn't answer. And it kind of reminds me of a situation that I found myself in personally. Some years ago, um, 2007, um, I've kind of testified a little bit about this. My father um, was diagnosed with cancer. And I didn't grow up with my father. I didn't have a great relationship with him. I'm kind of as a child, but in my 20s, God reconciled us back together. I was able to serve with him in, in ministry. Um, it, I mean, I'm so grateful for the time that I was able to spend with my father. Um, but I, I remember that year um, as my father's health deteriorated, and I watched him kind of like as 230-pound man kind of just begin to shrink down into like 190 pounds or something like that before he finally passed away. And I was living with him at the time. And so like I was there and I was praying, man. I, I mean, I was crying, literally tears. Lord God, please heal my father. I believe in you as a healer. Your word says that if we lay hands on the sick, 
they shall recover. Daddy, we've asked the elders to play, to pray for him. And so we're looking for you to respond by healing him and, and helping him to recover. There was a, a personal investment that I had in praying for my father on a daily basis. But my dad passed away. I didn't know how to handle that. I was still young in the faith. Uh, I didn't turn my back on God. But I didn't understand either. Were there members here in Jerusalem in this church that couldn't comprehend why God will allow James to die? What about you individually? Have you had a loved one, someone that you earnestly cried out to God and wanted to see brought back to health? And God didn't answer the way that you thought you, he should have. Is this tension that we have to deal with of God's sovereignty and our desires? And when they don't match up, it can cause kind of a, a, a backing off. It can cause... Um, something less than what we see described in verse 5 of earnest prayer. And I would be confronted with that idea years later, here in the life of this church over the, I can't remember exactly when it happened, but Pastor Duke, he went through a, a very traumatic event. Ended up in the hospital, and we needed to pray for him. We, we needed God to move in a miraculous fashion that we could see him recover. I, I, I really remember that. Pastor Duke, has, has, I'm sure he means a lot to many of us here. Um, for me personally, um, I was going through a season when I first came here um, where I couldn't find a job. It was, it was just like was, it was horrible. And so like I joined a job club and was looking for a job. And Pastor Duke said, hey, while you're waiting until God opens the door for you and, you know, to see if these applications are going to be answered, why don't you go volunteer on the campus? And it was because of that instruction that I ended up becoming a campus minister. And I served for about six years as a campus missionary, just like as Garrison was saying. Um, and I remember I was at George Mason. We were in this spot called the President's Park. And we had just done an event, an outreach, trying to reach students with the gospel. And we was packing up. And I remember receiving the call. Hey, Pastor Duke is in a real bad spot. We need to pray. We're going to do a conference call. Why don't you call in on the line? So I call in and, and you know, like once again, it's, it's, it's this earnest feeling of wanting someone that I love to make it to the other side. I, I want to see God move um, because th this means so much to me personally. And I remember praying and we spent a good amount of time on the phone. I hang up, I'm, I'm doing some other things and, and some, other some time later, remember the Holy Spirit just kind of, Engaging me in conversation about faith. And asking me why I didn't kind of earnestly invest myself in this prayer for Pastor Duke. I didn't really understand, so I'm like, Lord, I, I don't understand. What, what is it? What, what do you mean? Why haven't you... Really kind of like in the same fashion as, as Peter when he, he says, Lord, if it's you, as, as Jesus was walking on water, and Peter says, if it's you, bid me to come and I'll come out there. His faith allowed him to step out. He would 
completely sink to the bottom if God didn't do what he said he was going to do. He was definitely taking a bath in that moment. That's what the faith that God was looking for from me to look like in the moment of trusting him for Pastor Duke's health. And I said, you know, God, I was, I was praying scripture. I, I, he was like, it's because you haven't forgiven me about your father. I never dealt with the idea of sovereignty. Please hear me in this. Our God has the right to make decisions when it's someone's time to live and when it's somebody's time to end. He is sovereign in that. And that there are certainly instructions that we find in scripture where we can put our faith in. But the thing that I had to learn was I have to trust God anyways. When it doesn't seem to align with my will. This is the same kind of example, I believe, that was taught to this church um, through the example of Christ himself. It's really interesting as you look at in verse five, Luke uses the word earnest in terms of describing the type of prayer that this church had. And the only other time he uses it is when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. And if you remember the conversation that Jesus has with the father, not my will be done, but thy will be done. That there was a disposition and an example that, that our Lord and Savior set for us. That we can put ultimate trust in God even when it hurts. Even when we don't want the thing to happen to happen to us. We can still put our trust in him because he is just that good of a God. See, in, in, in our culture, we catch a lot of ideas about God. I know you come to church on a regular basis. You, you may read your Bible, but if we're not careful, we catch ideas and we just kind of subtly accept it. And so we can subtly accept that God doesn't want anything bad to happen to me. That, 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 that the ravages of this sin broken world should avoid me because I'm a believer. I mean, we don't articulate it that way. But as a pastor, I see it. Some of the more heartbreaking situations where I've had to minister in a, a couple, a beautiful couple had lost a child after so many different ways of trying to, to um, get pregnant and, and, and doing things. They lost, they had a stillborn child and the anger and the vitriol towards God, because in their mind, the way that, that God was supposed to be, he didn't line up to that. And thus he wasn't worthy of the type of worship that we give to him. My very own life, my wife, when the first child that we would have had together, um, I have two beautiful sons, but they're not mine biologically. And so the first time my wife got pregnant um, within our marriage, um, man, I, I remember walking her around like she was a show pony to the leadership of the church um, that I was a part of. And I'm like, apostle such and such, can you um, pray uh, for my wife? Because I want to make sure we have this baby and, and pastor such and such and, and bishop such and such. Every leader that I could think of, I wanted all holy hands to, to be laid on her. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it was going to be my first child. And so I was just nervous. Man, it was so difficult when we had that miscarriage. But after this lesson 
or kind of like within this lesson, one thing that God had taught me was how to worship him and really be able to bring back into focus who he is. And so after I learned of that miscarriage, I remember not wanting my wife to see me cry. So I go out to the parking lot and I spend time saying, God, I don't know why this had to happen, but I know what you did at the cross. And I know you did that for me. You allowed that blood to cover me. And so I choose to view you through that. That's what love is to me. Not through this circumstance and this situation. When we're not careful with the way that we think of God, if we don't really study our Bibles and allow this special revelation of God to really have impact on the way that we view him and on his sovereignty, then what happens is we put him into this kind of caricature of who God is supposed to be. And we hold him to that standard. And we back off or we completely turn our backs on him when he doesn't live up to the image that we have of him. And unfortunately, it's, it's a part of our sin nature that would even allow that to happen. It couple that with a, a tactic of the enemy. We look in the garden, the enemy questioning God. Did God really say, oh, God doesn't want you to eat of this um, tree of, of knowledge of good and evil because he doesn't want you to be like him, ascribing some... It, Um, evil motive behind why God said not to eat the fruit to Eve. He, He attacks us in the same fashion, and no doubt I believe that the enemy thought that this would happen to this church in this situation. Utilizing King Agrippa and his desire to to please men and to to curry the favor of the Jews. So as we look back into verse 5 and we see that so Peter was kept in prison, we cannot forget this idea that there was this kind of internal wrestling that had to go on. That the church, these aren't super saints that somehow could just look past any and every situation and, and not be impacted or affected by it. But they're just as human as we are, as, as I am, would have had to wrestle somewhat, but were able to get themselves back to a place of seeing that, man, our God is good, even if we don't understand. When we think about prayers that change the world, it's with this disposition that I think these two observations that I find in this particular short passage um, that really um, kind of uh, come to light or not come to light, but that make them effective. Because you have to wrestle with that. You have to deal with that truth that God's ways aren't always our ways. In fact, they're mostly not our ways. And that we need to humble ourselves and try to align with his ways. So this church was able to do that um, in recognizing that Peter was kept in prison. So they earnestly prayed for him. And I keep using that word earnest. What am I talking about? What does it mean? It is the vigor, the fire, the fervency in which they prayed. That they recognized that not only God was sovereign, um, in, in, in that in decisions that he will make and what he allows, but he is also sovereign in his ability that nothing that he wants to get accomplished could be thwarted. 
like in Isaiah 55 and 11. I love that scripture where it says that no word shall return void back unto the Father which he sent forth. Or I'm, I'm saying it all wrong. Um, no word that, that the Lord has sent forth shall return back unto him void. Meaning that if he said light, let there be, then that means that the galaxy that we know, the known universe is still expanding because he didn't stop that word. It is still doing exactly what he said it's supposed to do. That his word is just that powerful. And that they recognize that. And so intimidation and fear that tried to enter in to stop this church because of the movements of this political leader had no bearing on them. They earnestly went to the God who could make a difference and make a change. That there was a, a fire in the time that they spent. I really bring that up because uh, well, we really I need to point that out. Because when you think about your own prayer life, when we think about what we do congregationally, are you vesting that type of energy in the prayers that you're sending up to God on behalf of someone else? Because this is a mark of a prayer that could really change the world. It is really kind of putting yourself in it, which means that I'm probably going to have to spend some time in this space. And so we see, if you, you look at kind of the, 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 the time frame of this taking place, when, when, when Peter is captured, he isn't immediately taken to a space where he could be beheaded as well. Um, King Agrippa won, or Herod wanted to um, make sure that he observed um, the, the Passover. And so during that time frame, they didn't want anyone killed, so he had to wait until that time frame was over. It looks like the church was together praying for days. Man, it, it reminds me of the grace that I've received in my own life, June last or 2020, no, not last year, um, but in 2020, um, I was in July, I was stabbed. Um, I subsequently got really sick with um, septic, my body went into septic shock and, um, from, from infection, um, and for about 30 days I was in the hospital, but I heard about the prayer. I, I'm looking at Pastor Mark and, and, and just remember the testimony. He said how they, there was warring almost in the spirit. There was um, earnest, vigorous, fervent prayer that was going on. I, I've talked to some of you and have heard about, man, I called family in other states. And I, I went to a conference um, this past summer and met people from um, man, it, Europe, from the West Coast. And, man, I don't know. I forgot your name, but, man, we prayed for you. And I'm hugging strangers and I'm, I'm thanking them because the prayers, the fervent prayers that were prayed on my behalf. I stand here and I talk to you because of those prayers. And there is an earnest way that we can approach the king of kings on behalf of others. That when, when we've aligned with his will, they change things. Kind of finally, the last point that I really wanted to point out um, from this time here was that this prayer was targeted. It says that they prayed for him. You know, th there are moments where we have prayer meetings that cover a multitude of things. Every Friday night, in fact. And in, 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 in just kind of a shameless plug as the prayer pastor, come on out to a Friday night. Be a part of prayer here um, because we intercede for everything. Um, but there's, there are moments when we think about kind of like what this text is teaching us is that the church came together and they prayed for him.
They didn't pray for Agrippa. They didn't pray about the Jewish leadership. Man, they prayed for Peter. They spent time there, focused, targeted, spending time, not getting weary in their prayer for him, but continuing to pray for him in an earnest, fervent fashion. That in and of itself didn't guarantee that the answer would come, but it allowed for them to hit the mark that would later see such a miraculous release that Peter would have. If, as you read, as you continue to see this story through this um, particular chapter, verses 6 through 17, Peter talks, of, or Luke writes about how an angel comes into Peter's cell. Peter, who was being guarded by four guards at a time, 16 overall, but four at a time that this, this particular angel comes in while he's sleeping. He, he kind of kicks him. Hey, bro, get up. We got to get out of here. Put your clothes on. He got his clothes on. They, they begin to walk out the cell. Um, they walk out the prison. They walk out of the, the bigger structure um, so that they could get into the city. And then we see that the angel kind of disappears. And, and Peter, he's groggy. He's, oh, man, you know, maybe I was kind of sleepwalking. No, I'm, I'm really awake. I'm really am free. Let me get out of here before I get caught. And he goes to Mary's house, uh, John Mark's mother. And there, um, one of the servant girls, she answers the door. She, she recognizes his voice. And she's like, oh, my God, Peter um, is free. So she goes back in and she tells um, everybody who was there together. The church was meeting together. There was a prayer meeting that was going on that was focused on Peter. And she says, Peter is free. He's actually at the door. And they're like, oh, man, get out of here. What are you talking about? It's his angel. I don't know why I think that's like kind of funny, but it's like, oh, it's his angel. There was a superstition um, that you can study um, later. Um, but there, there, there is a, um, there was a concerted effort to spend time, focus time to pray for this individual. How many people do you know, man, that are lost? You know, often we, we look at the physical ailments and, and we want to gather together um, to pray. But how many have a loved one? That man, it breaks your heart to know that they have no desire to have a relationship with God. Have you thought about getting some others from the church to gather together and to earnestly pray for this brother or sister that they may come to a saving knowledge of who God is? Those types of prayers are the ones that change the world. It is the changing of moving one from the kingdom of darkness, the clutches of the enemy, into the marvelous light. Where they walk into this relationship, this, this, this relationship that's full of love, of, of grace, of peace, where there is a good news for any and every situation that we can be involved in. Is that worth your time? Is that worth the energy that it would take to see somebody's life changed? When, when we think about prayers that, that, that change the world, when we think about um, kind of the, the idea of seeing God's glory manifested in our area by winning the city, we have to understand how important prayer is to this process. And that is, it requires of us to get away from just kind of the everyday things that we involve ourselves in, but that we have to apply ourselves. We have to press ourselves in to being about God's business. 
So once again, I invite you to come out on a Friday night where we pray right there in the classroom. And we intercede on behalf of others. And we focus in on certain days about certain moments or certain situations or events that are taking place so that we can earnestly pray about those situations that we may see kind of the will and, and, and the desires of God come to pass in our life. One last thing, because I, I want to use just the last couple of minutes for us to, to pray together. Um, I, I, I thought was really important as I was studying this particular passage um, that there is a an overarching need for us to remember that we have to have an eternal perspective that 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 our lives can't just be about today that you have to have a view that goes beyond that. This is why you would find the church kind of huddled up, gathered together in their church. And, and when Peter is, is running from the laws, um, he was able to find refuge because their lives was not built on a love for the world. They were in the world, but they were not of the world. And if we lose sight of that, we don't see the value of giving up a Friday night to pray. We don't see the value that if my brother calls me that I need to really put down, not just in the moment, hey, okay, let's just pray right now because I want to get back to the game. That I cut the game off. I, I, I figure out how can we get face-to-face -face when there's not a, a pandemic or, or something like that that may make that a little bit harder. How do I uh, become, if necessary, uncomfortable and put God's will first? so that I can see the results that he wants. As believers, that's a, a part of what we're called to be. That's the part of the, the disposition we're supposed to have as sons and daughters of the Most High God that, like Jesus modeled for us, we, he, where he said he only does what he sees the Father doing, he only says what he hears the Father um, talking about, that, 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 that there was an agenda that was set by his relationship with God, and it wasn't based on what the, the new thing was or what society said for him to do. It wasn't even his brothers telling him to go um, here or there. It was when, the God, when God the Father um, told him. That's what's been modeled for us. I believe that that's what this church is, is living out as opposed to, to looking at this situation. Hey, James just been beheaded. Peter is arrested. Let's get out of Dodge. No, they, they stayed. They prayed because they wanted to see something change and they actually did. What I would like to do, if, if you don't mind, let's, let's stand. We don't, we're not gonna get together and, and hold hands or anything like that. But what I wanna do, I wanna pray. But more importantly, I want you to pray. And if you've gone through losing a loved one and there's some unresolved pain that is still there, Let's talk to our father about that. Or maybe you know somebody who's still reeling from the impact of a situation that has arose in their life where God didn't answer the prayers the way that they wanted them to. And you've seen it impact their relationship. Maybe this is the time that you can intercede on their behalf.
I just just want to take two or three minutes. You don't have to shout from the top of your lungs or anything like that. But I pray that you will close your eyes and that you will kind of just imagine it is you and the Father. That you begin to talk to him about that situation. That you're not just focused in on my voice, but it's about this communication with our Heavenly Father. Some of your brothers and sisters, even in this house, Christmas, New Year's are one of the more difficult times because loved ones have been lost and they still have unresolved issues with God because of it. Let's pray on their behalf if you don't have those same things happening on the inside of you. Heavenly Father, You know, we, we sing beautiful songs. We, we, at times we, we, we agree with the various preachers who will talk so well of you, but we don't always deal with those real feelings like we see that Paul lays out in the Psalms when, when it seems like the other side is winning. And we know none of us are good enough, but But God, if if we're serving you, shouldn't you answer our prayers the way that we want? And and, and it it is, at times, there are are feelings that have been hurt. There are situations where we have been disappointed deeply because we didn't really understand that, man, we were butting up against your sovereignty in the direction that you wanted to go into. So I pray, Father God, right now for those who are in that situation that you will bring about healing in their hearts. That just because you didn't answer the way that they may have wanted, the way that I may have wanted, doesn't mean your love is any less for us. That you aren't for us and for our good and that, 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 it, it, that it is still true that you make all things work together for our good. Father God, bring healing in this season for those who have been deeply hurt and broken by this situation because we just didn't understand. We, we, we live in a society that just tells us that you are like this, this, this father who only wants good for us and has, will never let anything bad happen. Daddy, please correct our vision if, if this is the case in helping us to see how you've presented yourself in Scripture. Help us to fall in love with you who are so beautiful in who you really are and not in some character that is made up of you um, in this Western culture that we live in. I pray, Father God, that will be true healing for those who are deeply wounded and relief will be brought to those from those situations in the past. I thank you, Father God, that you hear prayers like this in the name of Jesus.